mind marrying me very much. What'd you say? If you wouldn't mind marrying me too much. Yes. You think it'll always be like this? Yeah. I hope you... What? You never get tired of me. Oh, no. You ain't never get rid of me. You know, I spent my whole life getting a career. I get one, and you tell me it's over. What's the matter? You shook the hell out of that champion of the whole wide world. You'd be happy with that. Well, maybe we can do better this time. Oh, boys, what about that? Hey, young man. I done you a favor last time, you know? Can you do me one this time? You read nice. Why can't you lie nice? Thank you. Look, I know a lot of people out there want to see me in a rematch with a timid fellow who calls himself the Italian Stallion. But this man does not have the honor to meet me in Or is it Scout? Now listen, What's his name? fairness, Apollo. What Rocky is your name, Balboa huh? did officially retire. Yeah, the bum's hiding, the bum's running. He doesn't want to face me. He's scared. You know it and I know it. Apollo, I think there's more here than meets the eye. You've been under close scrutiny ever since that split decision victory. A lot of reporters, Apollo, including me, yeah. thought it was an even draw. That's your opinion and you're entitled to it. But now I'm ready to have a rematch to prove that this lucky club fighter, and that's what he was, lucky, does not have the skill to last five minutes in the ring with a superior athlete like me don't you go get some sleep oh no no i feel great i feel great listen i've been thinking if you don't want me mixing with creed no more we'll make out some other kind of way you know there's one thing i want you to do for me what come here what when what are we waiting for take this Except for my kid being born. <laughs> It's the greatest night in the history of my life. I just want to say one thing to my wife who's home. Yo, Adrian! I did it! Welcome to Sweep Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mack. Masunas, how's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. Welcome back, guys. This is the Rocky 2 review, and you probably just listened to the Rocky 1 review. So I'm excited. It's pretty cool when you get to deliver like multiple episodes on the same day. It's pretty fun. You don't have to wait like a week or so to you know hear a new one. It's pretty cool. So as you know, I had a lot of fun talking about Rocky 1. And then right after I got done recording, I went ahead and I popped in number two. I watched that. And then I came back and I edited number one. And now I'm recording number two. So it's good times. And it's pretty cool. I'm glad I waited because there's a little bit of news that just recently came out. Because I was like, well, the bad thing about two uh, doing two episodes back to back is really movie news doesn't really change too much. However, a big news story hit that I want to talk about. And we'll get there in uh, just a few moments. So let's do that. Why don't we get into some movie and music news. Don't let me 
Alright, so first up in movie and music news that I want to talk about is a news story that broke this morning about the uh, person who has been officially confirmed to the Crow reboot. Now, this is kind of funny because last night after I, you know, watched Rocky 2 and I came back and I uh, edited Rocky 1, my wife came home and we watched, uh, you know, we are making supper and I decided to throw on some cable and the Crow was on and my wife and me, we watched that movie. It's one of our all-time favorites, as you know. I mean, this The Crow is probably... I mean, I know a long time ago I did like a top 11 favorite movies of all time. That crap's changed. You can't go off of that list anymore. But for sure, I mean, The Karate Kid has always been my number one. And The Crow is like, I don't know, three or four. I mean, I think Batman Begins was like my number two. I can't even remember, but... The Crow is definitely in my top five, no doubt about it. That is by far uh, an incredible, incredible movie. I love it. And obviously there's been sequels. There's never been a reboot to that film, just sequels. And of course, each movie as it came out got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. It's just terrible movies. Now, as you guys know, this is a movie that's been trying to get a reboot going for quite some time. There's been a lot of failure. The last person that was pretty much attached to this was Bradley Cooper, and then the latest rumor was uh, Loki from the Avengers, and finally we have a confirming person attached to play Eric Draven, and that is Luke Evans. Now, when you hear the word, uh, the name Luke Evans, you may know who that person is, and you may not. If you are a fan of the Fast and Furious franchise, you will know Fast 6 comes out in like two weeks and we have a villain in there and the guy who is the villain is Luke Evans. Now, I've never seen a film with Luke Evans in it, so I can't say um, performance-wise how this guy is going to be. I mean, I'll be able to judge him more after I see Fast 6, but the guy definitely does not look anything like Brandon Lee. Uh, I mean, he's just got short hair. Uh, if they give him long hair, I mean, of course, there's no idea of knowing where they're going with this. If they're going to try to make him look just like Brandon Lee did. But this is it, man. We have our person who's officially attached to uh, to this. And F. Javier uh, Gutierrez is the person that I guess is going to be directing this film. Now, here's the thing. You know, maybe like a year or two ago, you would have told me this news. I would have been like, this is this is disgrace. There's no way you should remake this movie. And there's just some movies that are not meant to be remade. Because as we know, Hollywood is just on a remake uh, trend right now. But as I've learned with Rob Zombie's Halloween, um, Halloween 2 is that sometimes remakes or reboots can make you love the original that much more. I mean, uh, I thought I loved John Carpenter's Halloween uh, so much. I mean, that's obviously in my top five of all time. But after watching Rob Zombie's uh, remake and then Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I clearly understand that how superior that movie is compared to his trash. And it just made me love it that much more. So, yes... I don't want The Crow to be remade. I, I kind of think it uh, it taints Brandon Lee's memory a little bit because of the fact of they were never going to release this film and it wasn't until his family said, let's go ahead and honor the memory of Brandon Lee and let's release it. I think in those cases, those type of things, you know, those kind of movies, they shouldn't be remade. You know, if, if someone had died making a movie 
and they're they're making that movie in honor of that person's memory, I don't think you should just go in and remake their movie later on. But that's just me. You know, uh, it's hard to say how this movie is going to turn out. Who knows? Maybe in three weeks from now it'll get canceled just like it has been this, you know, these past couple of years. So, all right, moving on to other news. All right, now this one's a little bit of old news. Uh, Kelsey Grammer has been uh, attached to Transformers 4. I guess he is set to be the big bad guy in that film. And as you know, Transformers 4 is uh, going to be directed by Michael Bay. He's going to re- He's going to be redoing the look of all the Transformers. Uh, I'm not sure where he's going, what kind of look he's going for in regards to old school cartoon, next generation, that kind of thing. But I do know Mark Wahlberg is the leading person in the new set of uh, movies for the Transformer films. And, you know, Kelsey Grammer, he's a good actor. I kind of liked him a lot in uh, X-Men The Last Stand, which is funny because I never liked him in Cheers or anything like that. And his show, Frasier, I, I didn't like. I knew he was a good actor, but I just didn't like the show. But when I saw him in The Last Stand, I was like, oh, I actually liked him. So it's hard to say how he's going to be in this film. I guess we'll find out. And uh, maybe he might bring some credibility to the role, but I doubt it. It's hard to say, man. Uh, I, I love the Transformer movies. You know, I, I probably love them more than most. But I do recognize that... Transformers 4 just seems to be, I don't know, man, kind of, it looks bad. Like, everything about it is bad. It's kind of like Batman Arkham Origins. And uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, Batman Arkham City is obviously a video game. Batman Arkham City is my favorite video game of all time. Uh, It's everything I've ever wanted in a Batman game and more. It's phenomenal. It's a wide open world. It's great. And they decided that they were going to do a prequel to the series, which is Batman Arkham Origins. Now, I like the idea of this where it's Batman on Christmas Eve, kind of being introduced to all of his villains, you know, uh, Joker, Penguin, all this and that. He's going to be a younger Batman, of course, but. I knew things were problems when I found out that Rocksteady is not going to be developing the game, which is terrible because they're the the guys that created uh, Arkham Asylum and Arkham City. So right off the bat, I was like, that's a knock. Then I found out that it was coming out this year, and I'm like, that's just, it's not enough time to develop a game like this. I saw some screenshots. I was like, okay, it looks kind of cool. But the big news hit that Kevin Conroy, who has been Batman in all the Batman Arkham games, he has been Batman in the Arkham, uh, not the Arkham, but the Batman animated series. So in a lot of people's eyes, Kevin Conroy is the Batman and will always be the Batman. I mean, in fact, the new video game Injustice, Gods Among Us, he's the voice of Batman. So then I find out he's not going to be the voice of Batman in this game. And I'm just that's, I'm just like to, saying to myself, that's a terrible decision. You are totally pissing all over this franchise by going a different direction. Because he's younger, he's just going to all of a sudden have a different voice? I don't think so. So it's kind of like the same thing with Transformers. It's like you're getting rid of everybody and you're starting off with a new cast. You're, re, you're changing the look of all of the Transformers. And it just, I don't know, everything about it doesn't sound good. Just like Ninja Turtles, you know, doesn't sound good at all. 
So I think Michael Bay has been making some major bad decisions lately, more than he does on a normal basis, I guess. So I don't know. I'm not excited about it uh, in regards to Transformers 4 as a whole. In regards to Kelsey Grammer being, you know, added on as a villain, it could be cool. I'll have to see how it plays out. I need to see a trailer, man, for me to really make uh, a good estimate. Same as Batman Arkham Origins. There's no way I'm going to buy that thing. I'm definitely going to rent it. But I think it's going to be a train wreck, and I'm pretty sure Transformers 4 is going to be a train wreck and probably be worse than Transformers 2. And for the last bit of movie news I have for you, if you guys know, Christopher Nolan's working on a new film. The name of the movie is going to be called Interstellar. And uh, Jessica uh, Chastain, which is from Zero Dark Thirty, she's a big fan favorite for a lot of people. He's actually in talks of getting her attached to the film. Uh, she... Uh, would be joining Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway along with Michael Caine of course he's got to have Michael Caine in his films I mean what's a Christopher Nolan film without Michael Caine right and if you probably wondered okay well what's the movie going to be about the basic knowledge that I know of it it's uh there's this physicist named Kip Thorne uh he has theories of gravity fields wormholes and several hypotheses that Albert Einstein, I guess, was never able to prove, and that's kind of what the movie's going to be about. I guess we'll see how it works. Of course, Christopher and Jonathan Nolan wrote the screenplay based on a story uh, by expert Kip Thorne. So it's going to be fun times. We shall see how that works. So that's it for movie news. Uh, let's get into some music news really quick. All right, so for music news, uh, outside of Usher, he has been uh, cast to play Sugar Ray Leonard uh, in a new upcoming boxing film, which, you know, can be kind of cool. I like Usher. I think, uh, the, I mean, the guy can obviously sing. The guy can obviously dance. And I think he'll be, you know, he kind of looks like Sugar Ray Leonard. I think he'll be good in the role. It's, you know, he's got the kind of speed to move around and stuff. I think it'll be cool. It'll be fun. But I want to talk about some charts real quick. Talking about iTunes for your top singles. Number one still uh, for the past couple weeks has been Give Me a Reason by Pink. Uh, number two, though, uh, this song I'm really digging. It's Can't Hold Us. Uh, this is the Macklemore and Ray Lewis. It's the follow-up song to Thrift Shop. It's a good tune, man. It features Ray Dalton. It's got a really good rap to it, and the chorus is just really cool. You know, that's the one that's talking about where it says uh, that where the ceiling can't hold us. Good song. I really dig it. That definitely deserves to be number two. I'd like to see it be number one. And then we have Mirrors by Justin Timberlake. Now, this tune and the Macklemore tune, I think, should really kill Pink at number one. I mean, this Give Me a Reason song is good. It's not Pink's best. And the guy that's singing with her is from the group Fun. And I don't know. There's just something about this tune that just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know what it is. It's just like it's good, but it's not great. And these two tunes should easily uh, knock this song off the chart, man. Because I really dig number two. And I really like this Mirrors Justin Timberlake song. At first, I was like, eh, it's okay. But as I listened to it, I'm like, I'm really, really digging it. And then at number four, we have I Love It by Icona Pop, which is kind of an interesting song. If you guys have ever heard the song um, Trouble uh, by Shampoo, you know, uh-oh, we're in trouble. You know that song? That's exactly what the song sounds like, the way the girls sound, the way the song kind of breaks down. I mean, not a 100% rip-off copy, but that's the vibe you get when you listen to this song. 
is it's like listening to shampoo. To be honest, I have no idea why it's so high on the chart at number four when like there's other tunes that should easily be better than this. Like When I Was Your Man by Bruno Mars. Yeah, it's a little bit old, but it's way better than this song. And I love the new Selena Gomez song, Come and Get It. Good tune. I highly recommend it. So here's the deal. Go on iTunes. Outside of getting the new Skillet Sick of It song, which is still very high on the rock charts, I highly recommend you get number two, which is currently Can Hold Us by Macklemore and Ray Lewis. It's an excellent tune. Get Mirrors, and then go get Come and Get It by Selena Gomez. Those tunes are awesome on the top ten of iTunes right now. Those are the ones that I'm digging. Uh, give me a reason, like I said. It's good, it's not great, and I'm looking forward to having it kicked off the number one spot. Hopefully one of these two tracks are going to knock it off. So that's it, guys, for movie and music news. And I'm very excited to be talking some Rocky 2 because, like Rocky 1, it's been a long time since I've seen Rocky 2. And I can't wait to talk about it. So let's roll into Rocky 2. Listen to this. You didn't beat nobody, and anybody who knows boxing knows the fight was fixed. Why can't you ignore it? I was wondering if uh, you wouldn't mind marrying me very much. I do. Thanks. Can I be honest? No one's going to offer you an office job. There's too much competition. Why don't you fight? I've read somewhere you're a very good fighter. Was you ever punched in the face 500 times a night? It stings after a while. Why go after Melvin? Because there's still a lot of people out there that think he won. I want something done publicly to bring this man up. You realize that you're setting yourself up as the bad guy? Look, man, whatever gets him in the ring. The man's running, the man's hype, the man doesn't want to face me. What are you going to do? I don't know, I was uh, thinking about fighting. I want all of Philadelphia, I want all of America, I want the whole world to see me destroy this man after two short rounds. Rocky, please. You don't have to prove anything. It's all I know. Let's take a break, okay? Come November, you're mine. I never asked you to stop being a woman, you know. Please, don't ask me to stop being a man. Now he's all finished. Forget this bum. Man, I won, but I didn't beat him. You go back to being a two-bit nothing, but don't you ever come back here again because I'm too old to waste my time trying to train a no-good loser like you. Don't worry about nothing. You just sleep as long as you want, okay? And I'm going to be here when you wake up. Don't be down, Why don't you stand up and fight this guy hard? Those of you who are watching tonight's telecast, we think you're going to see a real great battle in every sense of the word. There's one thing I want you to do for me. Hmm? Win. Alright, Rocky 2. Now this is going to be a fun one for me to talk about because it's been a long time since I've seen this. I would say probably the last time I saw it was about when I saw part 1. A lot of things I forgot and a lot of things, as you know, from the last review of things I were I was hoping to see in this movie. And there was actually some surprises for me uh, that I found that were pretty cool. Like, for example, Pauly, how much he's changed and how different he looks, that kind of thing. Now, this movie, as you know, uh, came out 
1979, same year I was born, so that's pretty awesome. Now, uh, I'm going to assume, based on the humongous financial success of the first one, they were really pushing for there to be a sequel to this. And I really like the poster because the top of the poster says Rocky 2, which on the Y has a picture of Rocky holding his arms up. And then in the middle of the poster, it says the story continues, which is pretty cool because, like I said, this whole entire series, just like Lethal Weapon, has a beginning, middle, and end, which is pretty cool. And I, what I like the fact is that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first movie and then he wrote this movie, but he also directed the film because maybe John G. Avildsen at the time didn't think that he wanted to do any sequels. So maybe that's why he did the sequels to Karate Kid 2 and Karate Kid 3 because he saw how successful Rocky 2 was and maybe he thought to himself, well, geez, maybe I should have did Rocky 2. I don't have a lot of information in regards to if he was asked to come back and do Rocky 2, but I do know that it's awesome that Sylvester Stallone wrote and directed this movie because he did a phenomenal job directing this film. In fact, there's some things I think he actually did better than John G. Ellison did in the first movie. And the fact that he wrote it, he knows he knows the heart of this character and he knows where the story should go from here. Of course, we have everybody returning from the first movie, including Mr. Gazzo, which is pretty awesome. And the movie had a budget of $7 bucks, and it made $200 million. And uh, it was pretty successful. Now, it didn't win any Academy Awards. It did win Best Picture at the American Movie Awards. And it won People's Choice Award for Favorite uh, Motion Picture. But it didn't win any Academy Awards this time around, which is fine and dandy. No big deal. Now, kind of going through the story a little bit here just to kind of give you a refresher. Now, this movie literally picks up exactly where you left off. In fact, they replay the whole entire ending for you. Unlike what John G. Avildsen did in Karate Kid 2, where he played the best hits, they actually play the whole entire ending again of Rocky 1. They do like five minutes of it, which I guess is okay because it took, you know, three years for this to come out. So maybe they wanted to remind you of how the movie ended just in case you had not watched the film uh, recently until you went to go see the sequel. So uh, this movie takes place in uh, 1976 still, obviously, because it takes place right after. You actually have uh, an ambulance carrying Apollo Creed and carrying Rocky to the hospital. They both are suffering from uh, crazy injuries from the match. Apollo uh, is challenging Rocky to a rematch in front of the press because he's angry and frustrated because he didn't realize, um, you know, the defeat that he was going to take in regards to, yeah, he won, but he didn't beat him. And Rocky declines, declares his retirement. Uh, his decision, of course, is supported by Adrian. Uh, the doctors reveal that while they're trying to kind of uh, put his face back together, you know, because his nose is broken, uh, but he has uh, a detached retina, which could lead to permanent blindness if he was to get hit in the face too hard. So Rocky gets discharged from the hospital a couple months later. He begins to enjoy the benefits of his life through this match. You know, he gets a new set of fame. He gets money. He starts to do the things that if you got a bunch of money, you would do. You'd go buy a new car. You'd buy things for your spouse. You know, uh, just a lot of just normal things, which is, makes perfect sense. 
Uh, and of course, it attracts him to an agent who sees Rocky has a potential in doing some commercials, doing some sponsorship, you know, kind of make some money even though you're retired. It'll get you the money that you need because uh, Rocky proposes to Adrian. She accepts. They become married. Uh, they get a new house. They get a new car. And uh, he eventually goes to uh, do the um, do the commercial, but you kind of find out he really can't read, and it becomes a pretty terrible uh, situation for him. And then you also find out Adrian is pregnant with their first child, so it's a lot of good stuff happening on Rocky's side of things. But then you flip over to Apollo. He's getting hate mail that he's starting to receive every day. It's, uh, it's fueling his fire. Uh, he becomes obsessed with the idea that he has to have a rematch because it's the only way he's going to prove that Rocky's performance was simply luck. It was just a fluke. And uh, the only way to rectify his, you know, his boxing career is to, you know, get to challenge Rocky to do this. You know, Apollo ignores all the pleas of his friends and family just to move on, forget it, move on to other potential opponents, you know, do whatever it takes to just leave this in the past uh, because Rocky, he's in retirement and that's not how Apollo wants it. So Rocky at first, he seems, you know, unaffected by Apollo's uh, campaign because Apollo does this campaign where, you know what, if he doesn't want to fight, I'm going to make him fight. So he starts to trash his name, you know, uh, Apollo Creed versus the Italian chicken. They start, he starts calling him out on TV. You see Mick watch TV, get pissed off and go to Rocky, but Rocky's promised Adrian that I'm not going to fight, you know, and she's just like, you know, she goes back, even though she's pregnant, she goes back to her pet job because Rocky, unfortunately, due to his education level, he can't get a job or I should say a job that he wants, you know, he wants like a desk level job, but uh, he eventually has to go work at a meat factory, but he gets laid off due to uh, seniority. So that's why Adrian goes back to work and she's like, well, you know what? We need money. It's just to kind of get us through. And, uh, you know, uh, finally Rocky and uh, Mick decide that, you know, I'm a fighter. That's all that I'm supposed to be. I need to fight this guy. And that will take care of everything, even though, you know, Adrian is not supportive of this at all for breaking his promise. And uh, she refuses to support him. And by doing so, causes Rock to lack motivation. You know, he has this chip on his shoulder. He can't focus 100%. He's probably focused maybe 60% because of the fact she just does not want him to fight. And it's not because she doesn't want him to fight because she doesn't think he's a good fighter. It's because she doesn't want that eye to get damaged. But even though Mick is working on a strategy to get that uh, eye protected, switch him from being a left-hander to a right-hander fighter, throw off Apollo's game. You know, Mick's working on that, but Adrian's not having that because as she tells Polly, you know, I love him, you don't. I have to live with it. Now, uh, Pauly comes into play. He goes to uh, he goes to Adrian, confronts her about not supporting Rocky. Uh, but she faints, though, during the conversation. She's rushed to the hospital, and she goes into labor. Uh, but the baby's premature. Uh, the baby's healthy, but it's still premature. And Adrian, due to uh, a lot of blood loss, 
Uh, she goes into a coma. Soraki blames himself for what happened, refuses to leave Adrian's bedside until she wakes up. And he's not going to go see their new baby until they can see it together. And, of course, Rocky during this time is not training, of course. But Mickey, he finally decides that, you know what, if we're going to fail, we're going to fail together. And I'll just stay by your side this whole entire time, which is awesome. So Adrian comes out of her coma, finds that Rocky's by her bedside. And the couple, um, you know, they, they embrace, of course. They see their baby all is well. And then Rocky just says, you know, if you don't want me to, to fight Apollo, I'm cool. And Adrian gives her blessing to the rematch and says that you need to win. You know, just do me a favor and win. Of course, that completely refocuses Rocky. You get the awesome training montage. He quickly gets into shape for the fight. He trains super hard and he's ready just in the nick of time. So then we get to the night of the fight. And uh, during the night of the fight, uh, Apollo's made a public goal of beating Rocky in no more than two rounds to prove that the first fight going the full 15 rounds was just crap. It was a fluke. Rocky's not able to mount much of the offense effort uh, in the first two rounds, though. You know, he's kind of like taking the punches. It's really hard for him to kind of survive. Uh, But, you know, he eventually comes around and uh, reaches 15 rounds and Apollo, he's built a lead on points that is no possible way on earth that Rocky can beat. But his obsession with knocking Rocky out, even though everybody's telling him, just forget it, stay out of the way. You won this thing based on points. Uh, he just says, I'm going to knock him out. Rocky gives it, uh, this crazy blow to Apollo's face. They both get knocked down. Because Rocky just gets a second win in the 15th round. They're both exhausted. They're doing a count out to 10. They're both trying to stand up. And Rocky manages to get to the top right before it hits 10. He wins. becomes the new heavyweight champion of the world. And then at the very end, uh, he just says, you know, thank you, God. Thank you. Uh, You know, this is the greatest night of my life outside of my son being born. And I want to, you know, thank my wife at home. You know, yo, Adrian, I did it. Movie ends. There you go. Great stuff, man. Great, great stuff. All right, so let's go through this movie and let's talk about the stuff that I really enjoyed. Now, the beginning starts off and I notice the theme song is a little bit different. It's the same exact theme, but it's kind of like when you get to the Halloween series. You know, it uh, is the same theme in Halloween 1, but when you get to Halloween 2, it's done on like an organ, so it has more of a gothic kind of sound to it. And then when you get to Halloween 4, it kind of goes back to the traditional John Carpenter version that you heard in part 1, but they they synthesize it a little bit. Even though the music is still done by Bill Conti, which is awesome, it just sounded a little bit different, but it's no big deal. Like I said, it's just like a, you might've used a different instrument or something, but it's cool. I kind of like the fact it's a tad bit different, but it's still the same familiar theme that, you know, now, uh, when we get the whole end again of part one, I thought that was kind of weird, you know, playing the very last five minutes of Rocky one into this. But then I was thinking to myself, well, you know, most people, yeah, when you see a movie, you had to wait a long time before that would come to home to home media. Because I remember back in the day when a movie was out in the theater, you had to wait at least a year before you got to see that sucker on beta or VHS. So I'm thinking, I don't even know if beta and VHS was back in 79, man. 
Uh, but it's probably it was played for those people that had seen it in the theater and had not seen it again. They needed a refresher, which is fine. I'm cool with that. It was it just kind of took me off a little bit because I had to remember this was made in 1979. I have to think of the time period of for the audience of why they had to replay this whole entire ten uh, five minutes again. But I love how right after it's done though, you go straight to them going to the hospital, which is great. It picks up immediately. And I kind of like this. You know, Apollo's upset. He's all like, let's get out of these chairs. Let's fight. You got to love the reporters when they're talking to Rocky and just saying, hey, do you think you have brain damage? And Rocky's just like, I don't see any. And you just see the guy's face and like, huh, do you realize what you just said? But that's just Rocky though, man. That That's his uh that's his flow. That's his swagger. That's his style. That's that's how he talks to you, you know? And that's what I love. I mean, instantly, I'm brought back into the world of Rocky 1 that was left off. Immediately, just by these first few lines of him just saying, well, I don't see any, you know? It's good stuff. And, of course, I love the look on Adrian's face when he tells the press that he's retired. And the, the camera goes to Adrian, and she just starts to smile, and the smile is getting big. It was pretty cool. It was awesome. I mean, you weren't really expecting to hear I'm retired when the movie first starts off and you're only like 10 minutes into the story. But it was cool. You know, I like how Adrian was just like, yeah, that's awesome. You're retiring. You know, you only wanted to do this one big fight. And then we get uh, the time. As I told you, boxing is just a template. This story is about Adrian and Rocky. So I love the fact how we take the next half hour and we tell the story of Adrian and Rocky and their relationship building. We get everything from the proposal to uh, the marriage itself. I mean, I, I love this, man. This is great. Now, uh, going back just a little bit in the hospital, I do like this where Rocky, you know, he gets a fan. You know, the nurse comes in, says, how you're doing? My son would love your autograph, you know, to my good friend, Charlie. And then she walks out and he says, yeah, to my good friend who I don't even know. But he goes up to Apollo and just says, can you just answer one question for me? Did you give me your best? And he says, yes. I mean, how awesome is that? If you know, going back to my example, if I, if little old me was to fight the rock in the ring and I lost, but he gave me his best and I didn't die. <laughs> I mean, that, that's like the coolest thing you could possibly hear from the greatest fighter in the boxing world is that, yeah, I did give you my best. And, uh, then, you know, after this, and when we get the proposal, which is great, I love how we get Mr. Gaz, uh, Mr. Gazzo back, man. How awesome is that? You know, he's at the wedding. And what I love is the fact of after he gets married, he talks to Rocky. He's like, hey, you know, uh, he's just kind of talks to him about business. Like, yo, you know, I just got married. And, you know, you're talking about this to me. He goes, you know what? Why don't you invest in some condominiums? He goes, condominiums? Never use them. I love that, man, because we clearly know what he's trying to say there. And we know what Mr. Gazzo is trying to say. It's awesome. I dig it. And then uh, I was talking about how those singers on the street, how they come back in five. Well, I forgot about them in part two because after they get married, Rocky is carrying Adrian home. I mean, how awesome is that? And she's just like, you know, you don't have to do this. He goes, oh, I didn't know how light you were. And, you know, does it hurt? He goes, no, it's good for the arms, I think. And then you get to the guys who are singing. It's the same guys from part one which is great and then of course they don't sing this they don't sing the take it back song which is fine they have another kind of song that rocky digs 
And he just, you know, they had that awesome moment where they get in the apartment and they just talk to each other about how they're pretty much the luckiest people in the world and how I hope you never get tired of me. And he's just like, you're never going to get rid of me. And it's just like, it's so awesome, you know, compared to that awkward, you know, (laughs) apartment scene where they get together and then you get this beautiful uh, scene of just, you know, declaring their love for each other even after they just got married. It's just, it was sweet, man. It was good stuff. And then we get uh, the Trans Am. Now, this is the Smoking the Bandit Trans Am. Now, as you guys know, my favorite, or maybe you don't know, but my favorite car in the whole entire world is one car and one car only. And that's the 1983 Pontiac Firebird Trans Am, a.k.a. Kit from Knight Rider. The greatest car ever. I don't care if you're a muscle guy. I don't care if you're a Dodge Charger guy. I don't give a care what you love. Nothing beats Kit, man. That car is the sleekest, sickest looking car I've ever seen in my life. And when I find out that the Smoking Abandoned car is a Trans Am, just like, yeah, it looks cool. You know, I, I mean, I dig the appeal. There's a big, uh, you know, eagle on there. I get why people like that car, but that car looks nowhere near as slick as Kit does, man. I'm sorry. But it was cool, though. I'm just like, hey, Trans Am, awesome, you know. And uh, it's cool. Rocky has no idea how to drive. And he just pretends that he does. And you get to see his driving uh, evolve throughout this movie, which, you know, by the end of the film, he's all going to, you know, the father to get to get prayer. And then he he spins out and, and speeds away. So obviously, Rocky learned how to drive pretty good throughout this movie, which is cool. And what I really love is Adrian here because Adrian is the... Uh, she's the sensible one. You know, you have Rocky that's got all this money. He goes to buy the Trans Am and she's like, you know, we don't really don't need this. He goes, yeah, you know, it'll be great. He goes, I'll drive you crazy if you give me a chance. And she just smiles and goes in there and he wants to get a watch. And, you know, then they go and buy the house and he doesn't even want to look up. He doesn't even want to look upstairs. And it, Adrian just like, you know what? We need to be smart about this. She's all about like, no, let's not spend the money. And Rocky's like, yeah, let's spend the money as n- most normal uh, married couples are. You have a moment where one spouse doesn't want the other to spend anything. And then there's sometimes where you're both in agreement. You're like, yeah, screw it. Let's just buy it. You know, we'll we'll take care of the consequences later. You know, we all go through that. And it's pretty cool. And I dig it here. And then you find out about the uh, pregnancy. You know, how cool is that? Yo, Adrian, we did it, huh? And it's just cool. It's great to see this uh, this Rocky uh, just being so happy and things are going great for him. When you see him in the first movie, he just takes him. He's just such a, he's just such a down and out character, but he has a lot of heart. And it's just like it seems now he's getting the payoff. You know, he's got the the woman of his dreams is now his wife. He's got a great house. He's got a car. His best friend, Paulie, is now uh, the collector for, for Tony, you know, and he's lost a lot of weight. He's got suits now. It actually is a humongous change for Polly compared to the first movie. This is where you start to like Polly because, to be honest, there isn't really a unlikable scene that involves Polly here. I mean, you could say the confrontation with Adrian in the pet store would be it, but even that was a billion times lower key than the way he treated her in the first movie. Now, of course, we also get uh, some more character development of Rocky. We actually learn a few things that we didn't know prior, uh, you know, in the first movie. And that's number one, he didn't graduate high school. You know, even though 
uh, we know how Rocky talks and the way he acts. I guess it shouldn't be a surprise that he didn't graduate high school, but you kind of get the feeling that he probably did, but maybe he maybe passed on like D's or whatever. But you do find out he didn't graduate high school, so therefore it's hard for him to get uh, you know, an office job. Then you find out that he can read, but he can't read very well. And I like how they throw that, you know, wrench into his character because it's like as great and as good as things are going for Rocky now, you still have the stumbling blocks that he has to get over. You know, the fact of he's not, he's retired. Now he's going to try to be an average Joe and it's just not working because in order to be an average Joe, you have to do the average things of knowing how to read and going to high school and all this and that. So it's kind of cool. I like this aspect that they throw in the Rocky character and give him these flaws. It's pretty cool. Now, I love the the commercial scene for the simple fact of Adrian. When Rocky's just like, you know, do I look dumb? Uh, you know, do I look stupid? And she's just like, yes. You know, that's awesome that she wouldn't lie to him and just be like, yeah, you look like an idiot. And I love how she says to him, you read nice when they're laying in bed when she's trying to kind of teach him how to read or he's kind of teaching himself. And she's like, you read nice. And he goes, oh, you lie nice. You know, it was it was nice, fun bickering between those two that you hadn't seen in the first movie it's a simple line of you know you read nice well you lie nice you know it's cool you can tell that there's off-screen you know love uh bickering going on that regular married couples have and some are more than loving and some are not loving at all but i like this it's a nice balance it's pretty cool and then you get another twist where in the first movie paulie is the one who is the down and out drunk and rocky's kind of the successful one and then uh in this film uh as you know it kind of continues to where he wanted to work for tony you know mr gazzo but rocky just didn't want him to do it because he had a big mouth but in the beginning of this film he's just like hey rocky you know can maybe i get your old job and he's like yeah sure paulie and then you see paulie he's got the nice suits he's lost a lot of weight and he's the one that actually offers rocky money you know he's like you need some bread you know get you through and he's just like He's the one, he's like, if you need a handout, let me know. It's just kind of cool to see that within two movies, to see a character go from one extreme to the other is kind of cool. You know, and of course, by the end of the series, we're going to kind of see Polly go down the drain a little bit. But in this movie, Polly is probably at the peak of his character uh, in regards to just financial stability and he's, for the most part, he's happy. I'm sure he's a little bit lonely, but he's still... You know, he doesn't really become part of the family family until you get to number three, you know, where he's helping out with the training and all that stuff. That's where Polly really comes into play. But in this one, it's just nice to have him be the financial support that Rocky needs sometimes. And then we get to this scene about uh, money where Rocky, you know, talks about him being laid off and Adrian is, the, you know, saying I can go ahead and get my old job back. And Rocky's like, yeah, but I'm the one that needs to be the support. You know, here's the thing. In 2013, if both people are not working, life is very difficult. You know, there's no question about it. You know, I would never tell my wife, you know, stop working. I could take care of it all by myself because in actuality, my paycheck covers all the bills and hers covers all the recreation that we can afford to do. So without her, I mean, we would really not make it 
on a you know week to week basis. So, you know, back in 79 or, you know, 76 when this takes place, yeah, the guy was the one that took care of the finances and the woman stayed at home. But, it's you know, with times changing, man, uh, I'm sure there's couples today that have this conversation about, you know, I'm supposed to be the financial support system. But in a lot of cases, it's now flipped to where the woman is now the financial support and the guy is the one that stays at home and doesn't do anything. It's funny how times change. I like these period pieces, man, because it really shows you how the times have changed. But I like this. It's an honest conversation between them both. They're both heartfelt in their conversation. Neither one is dissing the other person or putting the other one down. It's just a mutual conversation about money, which is nice. You know, in most movies, you don't get those kind of talks. And in this one, you do. So I love it. It It was pretty awesome. And then the next scene that I really enjoy is the uh, Mick and Rocky scene where uh, Mick's just like, you can't fight, you know, you got a bad eye. And Rocky, he's just desperate. He wants to, he wants to fight. He wants to prove to Mick that all is well. And he gives him the test. And I love that whole slap in the face. See, you didn't even see that coming, you know, and here I am. I'm just a tired old man. And Apollo Creed, he would murder you, you know. And then Rocky starts to cry and just says, you know, I don't care what I need to do. I just want to be around it. And then we get to see Rocky start to hit rock bottom again, man. You know, you get to see him go back to the gym. He's doing what he thinks he loves, but everybody thinks of him as, you know, a hero. And when you start picking up their spit, they start to make fun of you and stuff. And it's just, it's bad, but it's true on how people would really react to you and stuff. It's kind of a sad, uh, you know, about 20 minutes that you get the witness here of just Rocky wanting to be around boxing, but not being able to do what he's capable of doing. And it's just, it's kind of sad to see his character from the highs that he's had in the beginning, you know, go back to being low again. But of course you need to have Rocky get low because there's no way he would ever go back in the ring again if he wasn't this, you know, down in the dumps kind of thing. You know, and let's talk about that. Apollo becomes the bad guy. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, Apollo Creed ends up in four of these movies, one, two, three, and four. And it's funny to see him be the bad guy. You know, he's just like, I need to prove myself. I'm going to do whatever it takes to bring this guy to the ring. And the way to do that is to humiliate him. And it's just like, you know, you're making yourself out to be the bad guy. And he's just like, I don't care. You know, it's kind of an interesting twist because when I think of Apollo Creed, I think of Rocky Three. I don't think of this badass, like, I'm going to do whatever it takes to humiliate Rocky Balboa. You know, you don't really think of Apollo Creed that way. So it was a little bit of a twist for me to watch him in this film. But again, it's what was needed in order to get Rocky back in the ring and to get this movie going and stuff. It, it makes perfect sense from where his character is standing in this moment in time. It makes perfect sense for him to be acting like this. And uh, like I said, it was cool to see Tony show up. You know, he just comes into uh, the ring where uh, where Rocky's working at Mick's place. And he's just sweeping up the ring. And uh, Tony's just like, hey, you know, you want to come work with me? And he's like, nah, man, I'm just, that's just not me no more. And then he just, before he leaves, he's like, hey, Rock, you remember that guy? And they show a picture of him, you know, being the champ, you know, or like before he fought Apollo Creed the first time. And it's kind of cool just to see that, hey, not everybody is giving you crap. You know, everybody wants to see you back to being the Rocky you were in the first movie. But even your your lone shark friend, he wants you to get back in that ring. He's not going to rip on you like the other guys have been doing, but he wants you to get back in the ring. And you know 
uh, you know, it's, I mean, he's, he's having an inner conflict with that. And, uh, finally, you know, Rocky decides to go against Adrian and he decides to, uh, you know, after that press conference, he's got to go back in the ring. But I like this. I like the fact that Adrian, uh, her disappointment in him going back has him half-assing it so bad that Mick just decides that, you know what, you need to just get out of here. You know, you're just a, being a bum. You need to just get out of my sight. I don't ever want to see you again because he's as frustrated as frustrated can be with Rocky. And it makes sense. You know, he is in absolute love with Adrian as he should. And her disappointment in him, you know, you're not going to focus. I mean, I'll tell you, if I get into like an argument with my wife, I can't ever focus at work or anything. I just think about that. So it's true, man. When I leave for the day, if everything's all good, I can I can handle anything. I could take on the world. But if I have any disagreement with my wife or whatever, that stuff lingers on me, man. It really pulls my heartstrings. It really pulls me down mentally and, and emotionally. So I can see where Rocky's coming from, and it makes perfect sense. And, you know, of course, Mick doesn't understand that, but I totally get where Rocky's coming from here. Now, I did find the uh, the press conference when Rocky does decide to go back. I thought it was hilarious. You know, Apollo's just like... Uh, going off on him and Rocky's just like well he looks pretty mad you know and first thing I'm going to do with the money is I'm going to pay the rent you know and then buy Adrian a few things and uh, I love how he goes over to make uh, no he goes over to Polly. hey maybe I'll get you a snow cone maker but where it gets really funny though is is during this training though where like he's got to catch the chicken and he's like I feel like a Kentucky Fried Idiot or like when he is uh, trying to do uh what is it punches and mix like you got to punch with this arm until you know until it hurts and rocky's counted one two three and when he gets to five mix says i want you to hit it 500 times he goes was i at five or seven or eight you know and i thought that was hilarious you know it was kind of cool uh, and that was right before things started to go downhill. But, you know, I really dig the press conference and I love that training, you know, trying to catch the chicken and, and him saying that to Mick. I, I was laughing really loud on, the, on that stuff. And then when we get to the Adrian versus Polly 2, if you will, you know, the first time around, as I told you, was my favorite scene of the whole entire movie, you know, where Polly starts to go off and Adrian just stands up for herself and, and just puts him in his place well this time around uh Polly comes in to say you know you're messing him up it's you know you're gonna screw him up and it's not as dramatic as the as the first fight was in the first movie but it's a good scene though unfortunately uh that stress level causes her to you know uh bleed and and then go into the coma and stuff and you know there's a lot of fans out there that have a problem with this where Adrian goes into the coma and they say, oh, you know, it drags the movie and this and that. I'm like, no, it doesn't. You know, the first movie, I mean, that movie took its time in telling the story. And this is doing the same entire, it's doing the same exact thing. It's, you know, telling you a story about, you know, Adrian and Rocky uh, part two. And this is the worst possible thing that could ever happen to somebody is having your spouse be in a coma. I mean, that's just like, that's almost as bad as, you know, it's almost like death. So, I mean, I can't even imagine what Rocky's going through. And uh, it's, I really like all this stuff, you know, where you find out how Rocky 
you know, in the prior movie, he did a small prayer, but in this one, he's all about going to the church and he's all about praying before all of his matches, which I really dig. He's all about talking to the father, about giving him blessings and stuff. And then, of course, those are going to transcend into the following films, uh, which I dig, man. I really like this whole this whole section of the film dealing with Adrian in the coma, you know, just everything from Mick coming back and just saying, you know, you have the shot at, at taking out the champ, but you know what? Uh, if you're not ready, you know, if we're going to go down, I'm going to go down with you. And Mick stays by Rocky's side the whole time. And you see Pauly just kind of being there and stuff. And I, I don't know. It's just, it's told very well, camera wise, storytelling wise, uh, the way that, you know, Stallone cries talking to her. It's just, it's great, man. I, I really can't say enough good stuff about this whole coma situation. And then when she does come up, uh, finally wakes up. I like how the fact of, uh, you could tell it's been a, been a while. And I love the fact of they didn't, he didn't want to see the kid without her, which was pretty awesome. And it actually does get funny because when they bring the kid in to see, uh, Rocky and Adrian for the first time. They uh, they show Mick and he's like, is that it? And he just has a look on his face like, ooh. You know, you don't know if it's like the baby's ugly or if it's a look of like, oh, that's what a baby looks like or like, huh, not too bad. It looks kind of cute. The way that he does it, you can take that in any way that you want. And that's why I dig that because Anything you're thinking in your mind about that kid, you can go along with Mick's face because he does it so perfectly. And I love that. That was awesome. And then after that, you know, we get the really great talk between Rocky and Adrian of like, you know, hey, you know, I've been thinking if you don't want me to roll with Apollo no more, I understand. And you just see Adrian just say, come here. He's like, what? I want you to do me a favor. What? Win. And you just see the smile on her face and you just see Mick's eyes light up and he's like, let's get going. And then we get the ever so awesome montage. Now, I do have one question about this montage before we get into the details. Did you guys notice that when Rocky jumps out you know, of his house, you see the Trans Am there? It's like, did Polly give it to him? Did Rocky buy it back? They never go into it. I don't know if maybe it's a cut scene or whatever, but I just found that fascinating to see the Trans Am in front of his house again. But this montage is great. I mean, you can really tell Rocky is really pushing himself to the limit here to get in shape as fast as humanly possible because Mick makes a note earlier in the film that for a 45-minute fight, you have to train 45,000 minutes. Uh, and he goes, that's 10 weeks, 10 hours a day, and, you know... Uh, obviously there's no way Rocky did that in this montage but you get an idea that his motivation because he has the support of Adrian now he gets the job done obviously and this is great I love all the the running I mean he runs fast in the first time around but this time oof, when you got all those hundreds of people behind you surprisingly there's no traffic uh, but that's just a minor mit, uh, uh, you know nitpick but I love this, man. This is great. The song is great. As always, they play this song during the montage, and it's awesome. You don't get the epic egg-eating stuff, but, man, he looks good jumping the rope and doing the weights and taking the beat into the stomach. and It's just amazing. I love this montage. Uh, it's really great. I mean, we'll get to the best montage of the series pretty soon, but this one's way better than the first movie's montage. And then let's talk about the fight. Now, uh, I do like how uh, you get in the ring and uh, he's just like, you know, you have Duke telling him he's dangerous. He goes, 
he's not dangerous, I'm dangerous. And then you just hear Rocky tell Nick, he's like, man, he's great, you know. I dig how Rocky just at first, he's kind of not really into the fight until like he starts getting bashed and he starts to get pissed off and just finally decides to, to fight. This fight is way better at choreography than in the first movie. Because remember I told you there was a lot of times where I thought, well, was that fist supposed to connect to the face? Or, you know, was it one of those maybe it was missed? Or is it, uh, you know, it was supposed to happen with this one? Uh, very few times where I was just like, ah, that looks a little bit bad. But for the most part, I thought Stallone directed this fight very well. It was very well shot. It was very believable. You felt the punches. You felt the just... It was so much better than the fight in the first movie. And I mean, it was supposed to, of course, because there was more at stakes. Each one of them were in the fight way more than they were in the first one. But I'm just saying, uh, choreography-wise, this was done way better. Really only in the beginning that I noticed there were a few punches that I thought were supposed to hit the face that he would react to. But all in all, I give this fight an 8. Scale of 1 to 10, I'm going to rate all the end matches on a scale of 1 to 10. This one gets a solid 8. It's way better than the first one. It was done excellently. And uh, it's a shame that Paulie and, and you know Adrian couldn't be at the ringside. But it made sense because of the baby and everything like that. But all in all, man, I love the ending. I love the whole ending is pure salad. It's great. And he wins. And I love how he, you know, he thanks... You know, he thanks God and and he thanks Adrian. You know, he says, you know, outside of my son being born, this is the greatest night of my life. Yo, Adrian, I did it. I mean, it's iconic, but it's great. And you just have her say, I love you again, just like she did in the first one. It's excellent. So, man, this movie, as far as my rating goes, I mean, no question. It's five stars. I mean, this is a fantastic sequel. It's is as John the Mailman would say, it's a perfect one-two punch. This is like, you know, Karate Kid 1 and 2. It's like this, the story continues. It builds off the first one, uh, does some improvements in areas that uh, the first one may have lacked in. Uh, And I'm not saying that Karate Kid 2 did that on Karate Kid 1. I'm saying for this movie, uh, I like, I really like the story. I like the progression of the characters. I like, uh, the the craziness of Paulie, how much he's how much he's changed. I love the uh, the deepness of the relationship of of Adrian and Rocky. Just in two movies, how far it's gone. One man, this movie is solid. It's great. It's no doubt about it. One of the greatest sequels I've ever seen in a movie. And uh, it's hard to believe, man. There's still more to come. Three, four, five, and six. It's so good, but. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It was great going back to it after all these years. And um, I can't say enough good things. The cool thing is, is unlike the first one, I had some issues with like choreography and the way the audience looked. This one, my only gripes I had were a little bit of the choreography in the beginning of the fight of Apollo and Rocky was a little bit off to where I thought the punches should have connected a bit better. Overall, though, the fight was an eight compared to the fight in the first movie was a seven so five stars all the way and this series has the potential of every movie being five stars because i'm pretty sure three and four are going to be five stars so uh it's hard to say though i haven't seen those either and i know jameson's going to be on soon so i can't wait to pick his brain on this stuff so that's it for my review guys so let's get to the emails and hear what the stl nation has to say (laughs) 
All right. So I only have one email this time around, uh, and it comes from John the Mailman. So excellent, sir. I'm glad you wrote in. And you guys out there need to write in for Rocky 3. I want to have a crap load of emails for Rocky 3. Talk about Rocky 1, talk about Rocky 2, talk about Rocky 3. I don't care, but I want to hear from you guys on the next episode. So here's what John the Mailman had to say. He's like, sup, Mike and the STL Nation. I know I say this a lot. Okay, 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 okay. Uh, but Rocky 1 and 2 are a perfect one-two punch, which I agree with you 100%, sir. It does drop in quality a little bit from part 1, but has great moments, which I like to hear why you say it drops in quality because for me, this movie flows just as well as part 1, and maybe the pacing is a little bit better. It's a little bit faster to where even a kid could sit down and watch the whole entire thing. So I'm curious to hear when you write in for three, tell me where you say it drops in quality a little bit because I actually don't see it. Number one, we go straight from the fight to the hospital, which is a great scene when Rocky asks if he gave it his all. Uh, Number two, watching Rocky try and live after boxing is very interesting, which I agree. Number three, I love the running this time with the kids. Of course, that's awesome. Number four, the good end fight with Apollo was so good. Of course. I mean, that's way better than the first fight. And number five, we get Rocky's son and wedding. Good times. So some say the coma drags the movie and people don't know why Adrian would wake up saying, win, Rocky, win. Uh, Now, maybe that's what you're referring to in regards to the coma, maybe. uh, But it makes sense because Adrian knows that, you know, she's come to the realization that this is what Rocky is supposed to be. He's a fighter, you know, and he doesn't know how to be anything else. And she, in a way, she was taking that away from him because it's what he knows. It's what he loves. It's his passion. So why would she want to deny him that, especially when she knows he's going to work as hard as to, to, to win and protect his bad eye? So I totally went with it. I had no issues with it. And he goes on to say, after Paulie and Adrian's talking to Pep sh- in the pet shop, you can see in her face she wants to tell Rocky to train hard but falls into the coma. It does slow down the movie, but the payoff with her saying win, 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 uh, win, Rocky, win, uh, which is uh, which is played in the fourth quarter of every close 76ers game. That goes into the montage, and, and then it goes into the montage is hot. That's cool. I didn't know that about the uh, 76ers that they do that. That's pretty awesome. So 4.5 out of 5. Have a great show. John the Mailman considers email delivered. Well, hopefully, sir, uh, you change your rating to 5 when you email in for Rocky 3 because this movie is awesome, sir. It's good times, man. It's really great. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I picked this sucker apart, and outside of the Trans Am miraculously showing up, uh, a few choreography issues that were fixed very fast, uh, man, I, I can't tell you, man, where I have an issue. Everything was solid. Story-wise was great. The acting was great. I don't know, man. I, I couldn't find anything, really. So so good times. Thank you, sir, so much for writing in. I'm looking forward to your email on number three. And uh, it's going to be good. So that's it, guys, for emails. So let's get into the music spotlight. Here comes the ready and now. All right, music spotlight time. I got a good one for you. This is a fun song. It's, I think, 
the summertime song of 2013. I heard it on the radio a few weeks ago. Uh, I instantly bought this thing on iTunes, and I haven't stopped listening to it since. Now, uh, it comes from Avril Lavigne. I'm a big Avril Lavigne fan. She's definitely fun times, and it's Here's to Never Growing Up. Now, this song does talk about uh, you know getting drunk, which is something I don't do, but I know a lot of people do. It's But it's a fun song. I dig it. It's good times. Uh, I really dig the chorus. It's super fun. And it, this is just one of those songs that you hear it, it's going to stick in your head, and it's a really fun summertime song. And we're very close to summertime. June's right around the corner. So uh, I hope you dig this song. Uh, she had a few, she had like the swear word, so I had to cut that out. But all in all, it's a great tune. I hope you dig it. And uh, that's it for the overall episode, guys. Uh, hopefully you've dug the uh, Rocky 1 and 2 back-to-back episodes that I gave you. Hopefully you checked out that crisscross episode as well. So three new episodes to get you through the week. Um, don't forget to email in for Rocky 3. And uh, Jameson and I will try to get together for that one. And if I have to go solo, I'll let you know. But plan on him being on for Rocky 3. And email in to sweepdelaypodcast at yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com. And you guys know everywhere else to go, Facebook, Yahoo, or not Yahoo, but uh, YouTube, got the YouTube channel. And uh, don't forget to check out uh, all my favorite shows that you guys know that I love to listen to all the time. You know, of course, Flicks, Film and Focus, Show Me to Winston. Uh, if you're a Knight Rider fan, go check out The Shadowy Flight. I just got a new episode up there on the feed. It was fun. Uh, if you like wrestling, don't forget to go over to the D2R podcast and check out my wrestling show I do over there with my friend Ryan. That's always fun to do. And uh, if you like uh, Steve Austin from wrestling, he's hilarious. Check out the Steve Austin show. That's kind of a new one. Uh, Now playing podcast, they're doing the Superman series. And that's been a very fun uh, review to listen to of Superman 1 and 2 and 3. And uh, Supergirl, I believe, comes next week. So, yeah, it's good stuff, man. I, I recommend you check out those episodes. It's all good in the hood. So thank you guys so much for joining me. And I will catch you very soon, and I'll give you an update on the whole uh, Mr. Zabka interview for the Karate Kid. I'm looking forward to it, and I'm interested to hear how many questions I get to ask him and topics and all that stuff. I think it's going to be a good time. So you guys have a great week. I will talk to you soon. So take care. Masuna Sao. Singing radio head at the top of our lungs. With the boombox blaring as we're falling in love.
stay forever, hey, we can stay forever.